Okay. Eventually, I'm going to get this thing figured out to where I start on time. <laughs> Yesterday was interesting. I was here the whole time, and then I, I uh, didn't realize <laughs> I would didn't realize I wasn't on on the actual screen. And then today I had some had some stuff going on and. I'm slowly figuring this thing out. I appreciate everybody's patience. I hope everybody's finding their their day starting off well. And thanks for joining me. If you're listening or if you're watching, hopefully we have a good little discussion today. We're going to be talking about um, perennial ryegrass. Yesterday, I discussed. I was. I said I would talk about potassium with Bermuda grass. And I'll get to that paper. It'll probably be on Tuesday of next week. It's a paper I definitely want to make sure I cover because it actually that that um, the Bermuda grass paper um, is one of the more exhaustive papers on Bermuda grass and potassium. It was conducted in Florida, but I, I came across a. Um, oh, I didn't come across. I, I was scanning through my papers and I realized there's one here that may be a little bit more um, appropriate or pertinent to what we've been going over and because it actually shows a value or a benefit to applying potassium with cold resistance. Yesterday there was some, um, most of the, what we've, we showed yesterday, or I showed yesterday was um, uh was Dr. Miller's study, I believe it was we're going over yesterday. I don't recall now. Um, but there's there there's not a clear cut case where potassium was consistently showing a benefit. And so I I don't want that to be, you know, I don't want everybody to go away with the concept that potassium's never good and you never want to apply it. There's never going to be a re a response to it. I would say in general, you're you're probably going to be saving a lot of money if you start there, but you know, that's not fair. There are some benefits to applying potassium. Um, and they're, they're just not consistent and they're not, I mean, it's not very common. So that's what I wanted to go over today. Um, so we're going to talk about the effects of nitrogen on and potassium fertilization on perennial ryegrass cold tolerance during deacclimation in late winter and early spring so the the way this is going with um the channel now entitled turfgrass epistemology um well first of all what is that it's it's the study of knowledge. Epistemology is the study of knowledge, essentially. So if if you were to kind of sum it up, it was like I would say in turf grass, it's the concept of of having confidence in knowing how, how do we know what we know. So how do we know the BMPs are valid, or how do we know that um, applying p potassium is going to result in whatever? How how do we know that? So it's the study of knowledge. And so I thought it made sense for this channel. So it's going to be called Turfgrass Epistemology. And how do we know is by um, usually through the scientific literature. It's usually through scientists going through um, 
hey randy chad and Aldo, i'll see you guys in the chat um so will i cover the other pyramid soon uh, actually yesterday was the pyramid so randy 4 p.m <laughs> where where are you at asia somewhere australia it's um the <laughs> study of no bs um so yeah i did cover the pyramid that's what it was yesterday i covered the water light temperature the risk pyramid yesterday randy if you weren't able to join us then you can go back and watch that that video um on on monday we're going to be going over another pyramid called the hierarchy of evidence with the dean of research um so monday at 9 30 and i and i better not be be late <laughs> so the last two days i haven't quite figured this whole thing out i end up showing up late um so i'm, I'm getting it figured out so she ain't gonna wait on me so if i'm not there getting things going she, we're i'm gonna be soloing it on monday so i'll i'll do everything i can to make sure this thing is running and on time and trying to figure out how to get things started and apparently i got to start earlier because i don't know all this it stuff but anyway um so epistemology is a study of knowledge you know how do we know what we know and we know this through the scientific literature and, and people doing research and then through that we develop bmps and they kind of get communicated down the line to managers and homeowners and things like that so um, that's why I'm going over so many papers. I want to make sure we have an understanding, a basic knowledge of literature and how to find it and, um, you know, all these things. So as, as I usually start with these, I want to make sure everybody understands how I find these papers. This paper is, um, not as easily, um, acquired as some of the other papers because the other papers are in crop science or agronomy journal or something like that. This this paper you can find uh, I I found it through the literature in articles so in articles that talk about um, potassium and that talk about um, turf grass you, they'll they'll cite other people's work and then through there you can start going down the 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 chain of of various uh, publications on potassium and this one is done by Scott. I don't know D.E. Webster, unfortunately. I don't, I'm not sure if that was a grad student or a professor. I apologize for that. But um, um, Scott Ebden is is <laughs> so ridiculously intelligent. It, I, I, he's super nice, super kind guy. And uh, man, he is so, he is so <laughs> smart with statistics. It makes me feel like I'm in kindergarten when I'm around him and doing statistics. So um, this is one of his papers he did a few years ago and he published it in Hort Science. But the way you can find this is looking through the literature of other papers and then going to Google and searching or going to Turfgrass information file you know, and searching for the, the title that you found in some other paper. So for example, in this paper, he cites a lot of articles and you can go down here and you can find Oh, I can't highlight in this article for some reason. You can find all these various articles that he cited, and then you can go look those articles up. So just copy and paste this into Google, and usually they'll pop up. Uh, if they don't, then go to Google Scholar or go to TGIF, uh, Turfgrass Information File, and you can find these various articles. So, for example, if you wanted this article down here by White, Cold acclimation and deacclimation in cool season grasses. I mean, there's a citation here. This was actually at a at a proceeding at a at a conference. But you can go find this information that way. That's a good way to um, find information. Uh, it 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 ends up being because it's always citing um, publications in the past. You end up kind of going backwards in time. Um, if you want to find some of the more current literature, you need to do a little bit more of a uh, current search. But anyway. Um, 
this particular article is in Hort Science. Now, Hort Science is a part of the American Society of Horticultural Sciences. So if I can go to the, the internet, the internet, and see if I can make this work over here, and I cannot, apparently. Well, so we'll just stay with the PDF. Um, you can go to ASHS, American Society of Horticultural Sciences.org, and you can search their journals. So that's where this is this is found. The Hort Science is, is is where this article is is published. Okay. So that's how I would go about finding it. Um, oh, the pyramid. The other one that begins with drainage, Brown, when you show it on the Grass Factor show. I'll I'll look it up. I'll go back and watch that video, Randy. I don't I don't particularly recall that, but I'll look it up. And if I, if it, if it jogs my memory, I'll go over it. Okay. So effects of nitrogen, potassium fertilization on perennial ryegrass cold tolerance. Now in this particular article, I can't, I can't highlight anything. I don't know why. So I put arrows and I want to kind of go through some of the key points that I highlighted. So this is, again, we can read the abstract and get an idea of what he did and, and what he found, they found. And you'll find in here, if, all, if you don't want to buy the article or join the, the associations or track the article down, you can read through here and you can see some of the highlights. And alternatively, similar K, K fertilization and soil K levels combined with high rates of nitrogen, they give the rates, increased freeze stress and low temperature fungi, fungi, so it increased the stress at these. But at, at end rates routinely applied to perennial ryegrass, higher soil extractable K beyond those levels currently recommended for optimum shoot growth could provide some benefit in enhancing cold hardiness. Late fall applications of N did not appear to increase potential for wind injury. So what he's saying here is in the abstract is you can see that th this is an odd paper because what you find at one end rate doesn't happen at another end rate. Okay. So um, if you say, I'm just going to go apply potassium at zero in, what these authors will find is that X happens. And if you go apply potassium at two pounds in, something else happens. So uh, that you can find that in the abstract. Okay. So that's what he's saying here at the end. So we're going to go through here. And it's, it's very, th this article is um, uh, not the easiest one to interpret because there's a lot of really complex statistics in it. But I'll do I'll do my best to kind of, um, you know, bring it to a level that it's practical, I guess, is the way to say it. I wanted to highlight a few things in the introduction. Remember, the introduction of all papers is the setting. You're trying to provide a, a justification for the work. You're trying to describe what, it ha what has happened in the past literature, what some researchers have found, and then justify your objective or your hypothesis. So why are we even doing this? We're doing this because there's an observation, there's a problem. This is what some people have done in the past. However, they didn't uh, address this specific issue or, or there's some unique thing about the question that we're asking that other people haven't really thoroughly investigated and then therefore we're doing this work. That's what the introduction's um, designed to, to do. Um, so there's a few, thing he, few things he, he highlighted or he mentioned here. So the first arrow says, research has shown that creeping bent grass is one of the most tolerant cool season grasses to low temperatures while perennial ryegrass is one of the most susceptible okay so right there from the beginning we have a context of what we're going to be looking at he is they're looking at perennial ryegrass 
is a cool season grass. It's often overseeded in Bermuda grass, fairways or lawns occasionally, not so much nowadays, but it, it has been. Occasionally you'll find a full stand of, of just perennial ryegrass. But they're they're uh, differentiating between perennial ryegrass and creeping bent grass. So what we're going to find is specific to perennial ryegrass. So please don't misinterpret these uh, results as, oh, uh, Dr. Ebden published a paper showing that applying potassium does increase cold tolerance. That's true, but it's specific to perennial ryegrass. So if you don't have perennial ryegrass, to go from perennial ryegrass to tall fescue or ryegrass to bluegrass where it's still in the same sort of family of cold se cool season grasses is not a, a valid, uh, uh, you know, a, a comparison. Okay, that that's critical. And the same thing goes for warm season grasses, whether it's a putting green grass or a fairway grass or whether it's, you know, centipede grass or St. Augustine grass or whatever. They're all warm season grasses, but we need to make sure that we're um we're understanding that we we cannot go outside the boundaries of the parameters of the study too much and granted we do we do have to do some extrapolation we do have to have a little bit of awareness that yes okay it wasn't done on every single combination of soil and turf and every cool season you know so we we need to we can do a little bit of extrapolation but we can't go outside the boundaries very much so in other words what i'm saying is Take it for what it is on perennial ryegrass, but don't turn around and say, hey, I have tall fescue and I'm in New England or I'm in the, you know, the Pacific Northwest or wherever. And so I, I, I don't I should be applying potassium, too, because Dr. Ebden said that, he, you know, potassium is useful. He, he said it's useful in his location for perennial ryegrass. If you have perennial ryegrass, say, and he's in Massachusetts, I think he's in Massachusetts. Yeah, Massachusetts. So if, if you have perennial ryegrass, say, in New Jersey then that might be relevant, okay, or or New Hampshire, then it might be useful to you. But if you have perennial ryegrass overseeded on fairways in Oklahoma, it might not be, okay? So keep that in mind, okay? So he starts that off by dis differentiating. Perennial ryegrass is the most susceptible, or is one of the most susceptible to um, uh Cool uh, to low temperature. Okay, the biological explanation underlying low temperature injury is crown hydration, which increases with tissue in. So, when you talk about cold hardiness, generally the consensus of specialists in this area are measuring the um, hydration of the crown of the plant. Okay, if it dries out and it desiccates, there's a good relationship between that occurring and winter kill if it remains um, hydrated if the crown remains hydrated throughout the winter then the likelihood of winter kill greatly declines okay so th this is this is critical a good piece of information to to take with you is that it's the hydration that is is critical and that's oftentimes what people associate the application of potassium with um, increased tolerance of winter kill, even though in the literature it's certainly ambiguous. Sometimes you see it, sometimes you don't. Okay. Um, uh, Marklin and Roberts found that tissue hydration levels decreased with increasing amounts of potassium. So in this particular study in 67, the hydration was going down with increased amounts of potassium. And I may pull that Marklin and Roberts 67 paper to discuss it. But Herto and Troll, 1980, 
evaluated low temperature hardiness on perennial ryegrass using sand culture. They reported an inverse relationship between winter kill and water soluble carbohydrate content and positive correlation between winter kill and tissue K levels with the maximum tiller survival provided by a two to one in decay. So remember, we've been talking about in ratios in some of the past videos. And in this particular study in 1980, they found that the, um, the, where is it? Where is it worded? Um, carbohydrate and positive correlate. Okay. Max, uh, they found K levels with a maximum tiller survival. So maximum survival occurred with a two to one in decay in, the, in that study. Other studies find different things. Although Cook and Duff 74 reported tissue K contents ranging from 0.7 to 3% during the cold hardening period in tall fescue. No connection was detected between potassium nutrition and freeze tolerance in that study. So here's another study where there was no connection. Okay. Similarly, no relationship was observed with potassium and freeze tolerance of tall fescue and carbohydrate level from the Cook and Duff study in 76. So what he's saying, basically he's setting the stage saying that there's been several studies published where there's really not much of a relationship between potassium and cold tolerance or freeze tolerance. Where there has been a benefit, it's been from a two-to-one application of nitrogen to potassium in, in those studies. Okay, that doesn't mean it's going to be the case in every, every study. There's actually publications showing um, greater amounts of potassium will result in a, a greater amount of winter tolerance. And that's what this study is going to show that I'm going through right now. Okay, let's keep going through the introduction. I just want to point a few things. Bearden Reiki 66 reported that an N decay ratio of two to one provided maximum low temperature survival of Kentucky bluegrass and creeping bent grass at all levels of N applied from zero to a very high level. Okay, their results suggest that a balance of potassium that is one half that of nitrogen is important for maximum cold hardiness rather than low N or high K. So we're going to show, in, or Dr. Ebden's going to show in this paper that that's not what happened in his case with perennial ryegrass. But he showed, th what, three or four publications that either potassium didn't really have a much of an effect or when it did, it did when it was applied at half the rate of nitrogen, when nitrogen was applied at the rates listed they showed. Okay? This is oftentimes while you'll see me Oh, this is one reason why well, you'll see me um, harp on two to one in decay ratios if if potassium is needed. Okay, most of the time it's 100% nitrogen. I don't see much value in applying potassium in most cases. But when potassium is needed, a two to one application is generally the most effective or most efficient in terms of dollars spent. So we're going to talk on Monday about the hierarchy of evidence. There's there's little pieces of paper. There's a paper here. There's a paper there that tells indicate 10 to 1. There's a paper there that shows indicate 2 to 1. There's a paper that, you know, and it sort of starts building. And that's how the epistemology of this is that's how I become convinced that an indicate is probably a good starting place if potassium is deficient. In some cases, there's a little piece of literature that shows a 1 to 1. Okay, so that adds to my confidence on using a 1 to 1 in some cases. Okay. This is how we become knowledgeable and become convinced about how what management practices to follow or not by following um, the you know the literature and following what other people have published. Okay, we'll talk about sometime about publishing and not publishing. I'm not I'm not too much concerned about um, 
what people, their opinions or their positions on, on things, on, on issues, if it's not published, okay, I'm sort of an emotional robot, <laughs> okay? I see things black and white. There's good things and bad things to that approach. But if if we're going to go down the roads of so-and-so saw this and the mathematics behind this makes sense or whatever, that's fine. Publish it, okay? And then we can talk. Otherwise, everything everything's moving around. They're moving the goalposts. They're moving all the objectives. Publish it so we can have a critical, you know, a, a critical conversation about it. We can have a meaningful conversation about what what you did and how you did it, and and you know, then we can. It's in the literature for eternity, and and we can talk about it. Okay, um, but if if it, if it hasn't been published, I don't know what you did. I don't know what you found. I, it's so you know, it's all hearsay to me. I mean, it, it needs to be um, published. Otherwise, it's a hobby, as I've said before. Turf, turfgrass science is a hobby unless you're publishing it. Okay, the object. So at the end of every introduction, almost every introduction in today's um, publications, are the is the hypothesis or the objective, and that's what you see here. The objective of this study was to evaluate perennial ryegrass low temperature hardiness in response to nitrogen potassium during deacclimation. So he's going to be doing this late in the winter. Okay. Okay, well, here's in late winter and its effect on crown hydration, lethal freeze temperature, shoot growth, and shows all the various soil. Okay, da, 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 da. so he's doing this late in the winter. He's, he wants to know what is the effect on, on, on these various variables when we're applying nitrogen and potassium. So we're going to talk about fertilizer treatments. Fertilizer studies initiated at the University of Massachusetts. So we know it's perennial ryegrass. It's at the University of Massachusetts. Okay, and we know he started it in two, the year 2000, so 23 years ago. 15 NK combinations were applied to establish, and here's the grass, perennial ryegrass. So we know this is the exact cultivar perennial ryegrass that he used. We know it was applied, it was conducted on a handly silt loam. So we know the type of soil. And we know the extract that he used, which is a Morgan extract for potassium. Okay. So he's going through the, the materials and methods explaining exactly what he did. So we can follow what he did and we can repeat it if we need to, if we're interested. Other people can repeat it. Freeze stress sampling. We're going to talk about this just briefly. Four plugs were removed from each plot for freeze stress evaluation. So in a previous study, Dr. Miller's study, he was looking at the rhizome, the below ground stem, if you want to call it that. And in this case, he's taking plugs. Okay. And he goes through the whole process of explaining exactly how he measured the, the uh, free stress. Samples were taken during deacclimation phase. So he tells you when he collected them and he goes through the whole process. Okay. We're going to skip through this. Here's, you can go through here and read this if you're interested in knowing more about exactly what he did. Okay. After temperature exposure, the plant material was removed from the freezer and assessed for survival as a percentage of viable green shoots. Okay. So that's how he measured the survival, basically. Survival of per is a percentage of viable green shoots. The temperature at which half the plant tissue that survived based on regrowth recovery was expressed as LT50. So oftentimes you'll see that survival is like what, what temperature resulted in death of half, half of the, the um, samples. Okay. Free stress electrolytic leakage. This is a similar uh, variable they measured in, a, in the Miller study where leaves and roots were removed from plant samples. So in this case, he's looking at leaf, he, he removed the leaves and roots, leaving only the crowns. So five crown samples replaced. So the previous one we were talking about rhizomes. Now he's measuring crowns. So we're, it's a little bit of a different measurement method than what was published by uh, the Miller study. Okay, so we're looking at the same um, effect, freeze tolerance or winter hardness, whatever. But they're measuring it in a different way. So 
Why is that important to you? Because if you get, come across this literature, you come across someone saying this, well, Miller sound, found that and, and Scott and Ebden found that. Well, yes, they're different. They measured them different. They're doing different grasses. So you have to contextualize everything to, to um, compare apples to apples. Okay, we're going to go through. We're actually going to come back and look at some of these graphs in a minute. Actually, we're going to do that now. Um, I was hoping I could find a way to zoom in on this a little bit. I'm not sure if I can do this or not with uh, my limited <laughs> knowledge of stuff. So we're going to get to the results in discussion, see if I can figure out how to do this. Okay, that might be better. So predicted crown moisture content of perennial ryegrass during late winter. Okay, fertilizer, da-da-da. So here you're going to see the applications of nitrogen going up on this secondary x-axis. And here you're going to see the application of potassium going up on this x-axis here. And then on this, I predicted crown moisture. Okay, so he is predicting. Remember, when, it, when, the, when the crown dries out is when the risk goes sky high in terms of winter death, winter kill. So we're looking at the combinations of products that will result in increased moisture in the crown. And we see as nitrogen goes up, we see the moisture kind of go up, it kind of goes up and then down. And as the potassium goes up with, with very little in, we see not much increase over here. Okay. But as the nitrogen goes up and the potassium goes up, we see an increase in crown moisture. So that's how you read this graph. We're going up in nitrogen and we're going up in potassium and we see these this increase in crown moisture. All right. So just the application of potassium alone doesn't look like it hardly did anything from 49, if, if I'm reading this correctly, from 49 to 441, we didn't see much change. So this is, in my opinion, um, a, a good piece of evidence to limit or eliminate 100% uh, potassium applications on perennial ryegrass in Massachusetts if you're looking to increase crown moisture. Simply applying only potassium didn't do much. Applying potassium with nitrogen is where we saw the benefit. Okay, is that, I hope that makes sense to everybody. Um, we can read through all the all the details and all this stuff. Um, I, I was trying to do this yesterday, but I was having some problems. Like for some reason, I can't highlight anything in this particular PDF. I don't know why. I have highlight selected, but it's not letting me highlight. Um, so you have to just follow my cursor around. And then we'll jump to the conclusions after the results. So here's the predicted lethal temperature where 50% would be dead. And we actually find that uh, a similar a similar graph. Uh, the, the potassium with very low nitrogen, actually, as the potassium goes up, we see the, the temperature go down. In this particular case, the predicted lethal temperature, we want to go down, I guess. I mean, I, if I'm reading this correctly, we, you know, the, we don't want a predicted lethal temperature of zero degrees Celsius as opposed to negative eight. You know, that means when it, as soon as it freezes outside, it's lethal. <laughs> you know? So we would like the, a lower temperature to lower the temperature, the lethal temperature down so that ideally we would never reach that temperature and if it didn't get too cold we wouldn't reach that and it wouldn't die and so we see okay so yeah so we see the potassium applications are reducing the lethal temperature from 11 or whatever this number is down to about 13 okay when we're adding nitrogen we've seen the lethal temperature actually go up to about nine i guess it is nine nine and a half okay so that's the way to read that graph um 
here's the actual temperature that occurred during that time. When we get to graphs or tables like this, <clears throat> you can go through here or you can read the results in the in the text, okay? It's probably easier to, you can go through here and find all your comparisons if you want to look at it, um, but it's probably easier to read what the authors wrote because they're going to write sort of the highlights. They're going to hit on the main points that occurred, okay? Um, but let's just kind of look what happens when you only apply nitrogen, just for, just for an example, shoot growth. One pound of nitrogen, remember 49 kilograms per hectare is one pound per year. So per year here, this when you see year negative one, that means per, so kilograms per hectare per year. One pound, we see the shoot growth was one gram per meter squared, one gram per meter squared per day, okay? And we add three pounds and we see three. We add whatever this is, five pounds, or I can't I can't do the math that quick in my head. We, we, so, we show the, the shoot growth continue to increase with increased nitrogen, of course. Tissue K goes from 2.9% or 29.6 grams per kilogram, goes up to 3.4% with nitrogen. So we're adding nitrogen, we're increasing the shoot growth, and we're increasing the concentration in the leaf tissue. We're decreasing the K. Now you can go back and read the materials and methods and find whether he removed the clippings or, or put the clippings back on the plots. I don't really remember. But... Um, we're adding nitrogen higher and higher and higher, and we're depleting the soil K, okay? And then we have snow mold percentage. We see the snow mold go from about 50% to 62%, which is significant biologically and statistically. When you see this LSD minus or negative 0 0.05, what this means is the least significant difference at the 5% confidence level. And when you see the values, this 6.5 is the least significant difference. So if you add 6.5 to 49.8, if it's greater, if that if that um, summation is greater than any other number, then the numbers are the same. So 49 and 62 is roughly 12. 12 is greater than 6.5, and so the diff so four, 441 and 49 are different. So in other words, 449, 441 resulted in greater snow mold than 49. One pound resulted in less. <clears throat> okay, that's how to read that. If you just apply potassium, so if you're just um, going out and you're just applying potassium and you're look, this is looking at winter kill, but if you're looking at just applying potassium for snow mold on perennial ryegrass in Massachusetts, we see what happens. We see, no, uh, we do see an increase with growth from application potassium. That's very rare to see that, okay? But you do see an increase. It's um, 0.5 difference, and we see 0.4 is the, is the least significant difference. So these are significant increases for the 245 and the 441. Uh, da, da, da. We tissue K. We see the tissue K, K go up. K go up. Soil K went up. The snow mold also went up. Okay. So in this case, the application of potassium to perennial ryegrass only, sol solely potassium resulted in an increase in shoot growth slightly, uh, an increase in tissue K, not, I don't know if it's biologically significant or not, but it's statistically, an increase in soil K and an increase in disease, okay? This is consistent in, in many pieces of literature. Dr. Soldat's finding that in Wisconsin. I think uh, Dr. Woods found that in his PhD research where the application of potassium occasionally on cool season grasses can result in increases in some diseases, usually snow mold. Okay. That can happen if you're only applying potassium. 
All right. And then here's all the various combinations that we can go through. And there's a lot on here. But I want to point out that is that people think, oh, I'm going to apply potassium to reduce disease or incre increase stress resistance. So, well, you know, we're, we're finding that when you're just applying potassium, well, we've found this, we've known this for years. When you're just applying potassium, you have, you're increasing the risk of disease occurrence. Okay. So that's a, that's critical to understand. Now, when you apply those same rates, let's take, um, let's take these three rates, which are right here with one pound of N. Okay. So you apply one pound of N 49 and one pound of K. Well, it goes from 45 to 55 to 48. The least significant difference is 11 down here. So 11, these are statistically the same, and these are statistically the same. So we didn't see an increase in snow mold when it's accompanying company when the potassium is accompanied by one pound in. Okay, the same thing goes here. One forty-seven, and you have the same amount, same rates of K going up. One forty-seven, fifty-six, fifty, fifty-eight. We don't see an increase of microdokium when we're applying what is that? Three pounds, three pounds of in. So you got to you got to read these things sort of you know, critically to really understand, oh, don't apply any potassium because it's increasing you know, snow mold on perennial ryegrass. It did when it was applied by itself, but not when it was applied with a little bit of nitrogen. Now, when you go to the higher end, the high rates of nitrogen, so we're, we're up here in the 343. Someone can do that math for me real quick. I always forget these. 343 divided by 49, seven pounds an end. So when you're up here in 343, seven pounds in, you go from 48% to 62%. That is resulting in an increase in disease. The 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 application of of potassium with nitrogen at that seven pound rate. Okay. And the same thing goes for the application of potassium at the 441. What is 441 divided by 49? Nine pound rate. So at these very high rates of nitrogen, potassium is exacerbating disease, snow mold on perennial ryegrass. Okay, critical to understand that. Don't apply it by itself. Don't apply it with high rates of nitrogen. Apply it with a little bit of nitrogen and you're okay. Okay. Okay, electrolyte leachage predicted of cold tolerance was affected by K interaction with N in, in ways different from actual whole plant survival. For example, here, so same thing. So for, for the one pound, inc one pound of, with nitrogen applied at one pound, increasing levels of K significantly decreased predicted cold hardiness. Cold hardiness. Okay, so uh, uh, the potassium applied with a little bit of N decreased, and that's from the, fi the figure four, which was right here. Okay, so predicted uh, lethal temperature, and we see nitrogen, nitrogen going up, pot potassium going up, and we see the, the predicted lethal temperature over here, actually, I think that was opposite over here. So, oh, electric leakage. Okay, electric leakage. Leakage. Okay. So you can read through there and find find what that means. Um, predicted shoot growth rate. So if you're looking at shoot growth rate as affected by N, of course N goes up. Uh, shoot growth goes up as K goes up with little N. We don't see much um, going on, but we do see some effect um, as the as the nitrogen rates. Well, I guess I guess they did find that the, the shoot growth rate did go up with a little bit of um, nitrogen was applied. Predicted um, oh blight. So this is percent of the plot affected by by the disease, and you'll see how those affect. So that's how to read this. Nitrogen is going up. The disease is going slightly up with a little bit of nitrogen. Um, 
you see not a whole lot happen with the disease, but with at the high rates of nitrogen, as the potassium goes up, that's when you see the disease really start to, to increase. So this is a good um, graph to understand if you're looking at reducing disease occurrence. Straight up just potassium with little to no nitrogen doesn't do much in terms of increasing it. Um, but when you're applying at a high rates of nitrogen, you do see an increase with um, disease. I'm not going to go into all this, but basically this is the statistical models used, the linear, quadratic, cubic, and quartic models. And what he's doing here is he's just determining which model best interprets the data, best explains it. So <clears throat> we're going to go through here. Furthermore, the luxury consumption of potassium that was observed is the most likely explanation for superior cold hardiness afforded by the 49 to 441 treatment combination when compared to this, this one. So... They didn't measure, they didn't determine whether or not luxury consumption was the source of this um, result. So you want to be real careful when it says the most likely or the most plausible. When you read in papers and it says the most plausible explanation is probably this. Well, could be, could not be. So you want to be real careful when you, when you hear verbs like that or words like that plausible or um, the most likely explanation could be this. It, it might be, but he's, he's, um, really hypothesizing that here he's not concluding that okay um let's see here the higher leaf growth rate the higher leaf i don't let's see okay so i'm just going to go through here to get to the end so n and k for maximum cold survival so let's just cut to the end n and k for maximum cold survival on perennial ryegrass in massachusetts in late winter okay Maximum low temperature tolerance was associated with nitrogen applied at one pound of N per year to moderate to 147, so that's three pounds, one to three pounds, in combination with annual K rates ranging from five, five what is that, five? Um, five to nine pounds. So in this case, they're saying one to three pounds of N with five to nine pounds of K is what um where maximum low temperature tolerance was was connected to that so this is contrary to a lot of the other literature where we're showing so this is basically a one to two or, or around that ratio um of n to k and so this is very different from previous literature where they were showing two to ones or one to ones or something much lower amounts of potassium so but remember this is on perennial ryegrass all right um so let's go to the next point i wanted to make However, the data suggests that over-fertilization with water-soluble nitrogen in the fall, so over-fertilization, meaning two pounds or one pound in September and October, in combination with five pounds of K, and in combination with K at, da, 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 and higher or higher, so, two, so five pounds of K or higher, may increase free stress injury or low temperature disease. Okay, so let me kind of make sense of that. <clears throat> he's not talking about um, he's not talking about five pounds of K or higher increasing free stress injury. He's talking about five K five pounds of K or higher increasing it when it's accompanied with water soluble nitrogen um, being over fertilized with. Okay, so when you're over fertilizing with nitrogen, then those potassium levels can be detrimental. 
that's that it's critical kind of to kind of decipher that a little bit okay it's not that they're resulting in it it's that when it's applied when when basically when you're when you're going outside the bmps when you're applying nitrogen at a rate that exceeds what we recommend then you're going to have some some issues which is one reason why we we have the bmps done the way they're done because we've done the, we do these crazy rates of 10 pounds a k and 10 pounds a n and you know, 15 pound, we do these really, really crazy rates to see what happens to these high ends. And so we know the safety factor, you know, we know the rec- what we're recommending is within you know, reasonable safety limits. Okay. So high rates of nitrogen and high rates of potassium are result may result in increases in free stress injury. Okay. And is and low or low temperature disease. No shoot growth response in perennial ryegrass was observed in this study with increasing soil exchangeable K at end rates of five pounds or lower. Okay. So the shoot growth rate did not increase with um, increasing soil exchangeable potassium whenever the nitrogen was applied at five pounds or lower. Okay. So if you're if you're thinking you're going to increase shoot rate at these normal nitrogen applications, say you know one, two, three, four pounds in, you're applying potassium. You're not. It's not usually. They didn't find that in this study, I guess. Um. So at these nitrogen rates, soil exchangeable potassium of one thirty five milligrams per kilogram, and possibly lower, were more than adequate for maintaining optimal shoot growth. So remember, they did the Morgan extract. So you might be familiar with Malix and these things. Using the Morgan on perennial ryegrass, they've concluded that the Morgan extracted potassium of 135, and like I said, they even say possibly lower, or more than adequate for maintaining optimal shoot growth. So there's a little bit of a critical limit for Morgan on potassium on uh, perennial ryegrass. However, Maximum cold hardiness was achieved at low to moderate nitrogen rates. Okay, so so high rates of nitrogen in, don't don't help. <laughs> it's the low rates of nitrogen where the maximum cold hardiness was achieved when it was fertilized with potassium at five to I always forget what it was at nine pounds. I've even I've done it twice now already and I still can't remember. Yeah, five to nine pounds. Okay, which corresponded to soil extractable K levels of 200 to 260. So they're saying that 135 is 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 reasonable and, and provides you know adequate for maintaining optimum shoot growth. But um, the maximum cold hardiness was associated with a higher level of K in the soil. Okay. Um, <clears throat> last thing is uh, let's see at these high high rates at these high nitrogen rates. Winter injuries from free stress and low temperature fungi increased with potassium fertilization at soil exchangeable levels of 125 and higher. Okay, these results indicate at low to moderate nitrogen rates, higher soil extractable K beyond those levels typically recommended for optimal shoot growth may provide some benefit in enhancing perennial ryegrass cold tolerance. So that's the take home message. Okay. Low to moderate end rates with high amounts of potassium on this grass result, resulted in increased winter, winter hardiness and cold tolerance. Okay, that's not normally the case in most of the literature. But here's a piece that is, you know, contrary to what I've been talking about in the, in the last um, video or two. Okay, so um, 
please keep that in mind. Just because uh, Travis Shattuck said it or he showed it on his YouTube channel or whatever, that's what I'm what I'm going over. I didn't say it. I'm going over what the author said. <laughs> please be aware. I'm just going over the literature. Um, but you have to keep things confined to the boundaries of the study. Keep your your convictions and your beliefs confined to those boundaries. I know it's like uh, we did it from one. We did it from zero nitrogen to three pounds of nitrogen. I want to, well, we didn't do four pounds of nitrogen, but four pounds probably does that. You want to go a little bit outside that boundary. You can't do that in science. Okay, you got to stay within those boundaries. We don't know what's going to happen on the other side of that boundary. Okay, we don't know what's going. So in this case, it's perennial ryegrass. We don't know what's going to happen with tall fescue in Massachusetts. We didn't, he didn't publish that. Okay, we don't. You know, well, it's it's cool season grass, so it's all the same. No, it's not the same. Okay, so please be mindful of that. Is that you know, try to keep your convictions limited to your your um the you know the amount of evidence that supports that. And the evidence on this on these papers are are strictly confined to what that paper did. Okay, I think that might be the one of the take home messages I like people to to go away with. Okay, stay stay within your your boundaries, <clears throat> and when you go outside those boundaries, sometimes sometimes it's okay, but you're starting to really um, alter and change the confidence level. All right, the last thing we're done. So the last thing is. I'll be off tomorrow, uh, Monday morning. I'll have the Dean on at 9:30 a.m. On Tuesday, I'll go over the potassium paper with Bermuda. Um, if you want to meet with me or talk with me, you can always go to my website or the website Calendly.com and tra slash Travis Shaddix, and you can set up meetings with me and go over all whatever you want to go over with in your program. Uh, well, hopefully, it's soil and fertility related. I'm not a I don't know much about pests and so forth, but um, I really appreciate everybody for showing up. Leave a comment uh, if you want to hear something. Uh, you you have some particular interest you want me to go over. I'll do my best to cover that in a future video. For that, thanks, ladies and gentlemen, for coming by. We'll see you next time.